I don't know if you're gonna see this voice moment. I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been right now. P.S. Be the person who you'd want to meet. Because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Are You Happy podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest for you, Mr. Kevin James Thornton, who is a bright, shining star on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram. People, this guy is everywhere. And so we bring him to you today to answer um, other a bunch of questions such as, are you happy? So without further ado, we have Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing good. So I'm a huge fan, totally fangirling out right now. <laughs> Found you like, I don't even know how long ago, but you are just amazing. So how do you, how do you do it? How do you just be awesome day in, day out? Oh, well, it's taken a lot of practice. <laughs> About how many years practice do you think? I, well, I am almost 50. Um, so I would say uh, 49 years. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so you've kind of, you know, honed it throughout these years, right? Yeah. I've, um, I've, I've been around the block a few times. And <laughs> just, just a few. Yeah. So we love to start out the show with the most famous question of all, which is, are you happy? Are you happy? I am now, but I was not for most of my young adult life. Well, if you watch any of my content, I talk a lot about uh, growing up in a very religious place. And this is before the internet, right? So the only voices I really heard were those directly around me in a really small community. And as I sort of worked through my teenage years, I slowly started to realize that I am gay. And that was completely incompatible in that world. and I, again, because it was before the internet, I, I didn't see or hear any other voices of, you know, maybe positive representation. I didn't see or hear that. Um, so I sort of limped out of my hometown in my early 20s with barely my sanity intact. And I went away to college and slowly started to find myself. It took me a long time to see this uh, looking back. But I realize now that through most of my 20s and 30s, I was sort of, I mean, I, my whole worldview was shattered. So I was sort of desperately trying to find myself or some idea of who I was without Jesus, you know, and it took a long time and I took a lot of tangents. <laughs> so growing up with that uber religious background, I have seen your videos, so I, I, I have heard quite a bit of your stories what was that like having to live you know in a total a total like alternate I guess kind of perspective being I guess keeping yourself inside keeping who you were inside and not being able to be 100% yourself it's difficult it's hard to explain the complete cognitive dissonance I was in because um like I think maybe a lot of people think that I was sort of I knew I was gay the whole time and I was hiding it until I could escape. But when I was in that world, I fully believed it. And I, I, I wasn't like, I know I'm gay. I've got to get out of here. It's like, I used to use the phrase, I'm struggling with my sexuality and being gay was never an option. It was a constant like cognitive dissonance struggle. You know, if that makes sense, you know, I think that's different than someone who's like, I don't really believe all this. I just am biding my time till I get out of here. It was my whole world and I fully believed it. I was planning on being a pastor, um, you know, and so when I left, it was very, very instinctual and like primal. I, I knew like in some deep level that I had to leave or I wasn't going to survive, but I had no like, like, uh, like specific thoughts about what was going on inside of me. It was just like a big jumbled mess. (laughs) 
And so was there anyone within your family or friend group when you were uh, growing up that you could actually talk to and, and be yourself around? No, absolutely not. Not a single person. That's hard. That is probably yeah. hard. <laughs> so then yes. how did you fill your time? What, I mean, did you just go off and be by yourself or did you kind of just read and absorb yourself in, in other artistic um, endeavors? What did you do? Yes, the artistic endeavors is actually a big part of my uh, happiness journey, I guess, because I am an artist. I, I've done a lot of different things over the years. And that was a big part of when I was trying to like find who I was, I did it through artistic endeavors. So a lot of the times, like my whole identity was wrapped up in whatever artistic project I was working on, whether it was a band I was in or I went to school for theater, you know, I was constantly sort of trying to find who I was through that. I think that's probably common for a lot of actors and artists, but um, it sort of set me on this 20 year journey of I have to, I have to make it. I have to be a successful actor or a successful musician. Like that's, that has to happen. I think just cause I came out of this world uh, where I suddenly didn't know who I was anymore. So it's like, if I don't make it as an actor, then I'll never be happy, you know? And the ironic part is I was extremely unhappy for a solid two decades trying to become a successful, whatever, <laughs> artist, musician, comedian. Yeah, you tend to do a little bit of everything, don't you? You write, you act, you you're working on. Is, is it that you're working on a biography slash memoir now, or that you've completed one? No, I'm at the very beginning of that journey. Yeah, yeah, because I think that's what I uh, saw not that long ago. I, I watched some videos that where you had posted um, small little vignettes of mm -hmm. your memoir, and they were just amazing, captivating, oh, and thanks. you could you could feel everything. So you have this wonderful gift of being able to not just describe what it was that you lived through, but you put the people that are watching, the people that are listening there, and they can feel everything. So I think that's incredibly awesome that you can do that and, and that you do share with everyone because there's quite a few stories that you have that are, you know, not something that people would openly talk about, but because you do, there are so many who can, you know, benefit from your experience and, and understand that they're not alone. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I hope that does. I hope that is the effect on people The I think an interesting thing that happens when you say like, I've done so many things, uh, this is sort of a, like a both good and bad at the same time, because I, I was like a, what's the, what, how I, how do I want to describe it? I was just like a, a rocket that couldn't stop. And like, if I'd hit a wall, I'd change course and do something else. If I hit a wall, I'd change course and do something else. So sort of the, 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 uh, the identity panic propelled me to uh, start a band, uh, write a play, uh, take up photography, uh, get into comedy. Like, uh, like I just couldn't stop. And I, I mean, it is, so it made me a little, uh, well, you know, panicked and desperate, mm -hmm. but over a, a long period of time, I started to piece together somehow <laughs> this like collection of valuable things it's hard to it's hard to describe uh, some something that it, it all of it came out of so much pain, yeah. uh, you know, and and so I hope maybe that is what you're describing when you say, like, you've heard some of my story or those uh, storytelling things I was doing. It, it's it comes from a deep place inside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there are some stories where uh, your TikTok videos, for instance, they're funny. They're unbelievably funny. But then, you know, you talk about going to those um, camps, right? where you know you're with people that are trying to put you back into this mold of which you don't belong they're mm -hmm. trying to you know bring you back into this straight life which you clearly you know are are not and and i i mean there are so many stories of of camps like that and it's heartbreaking to imagine somebody uh putting a child or teenager anyone in that kind of environment and trying to force them to be something that they're absolutely not so i think there's there's a mixture of of humor but also real realism and in in your stories so yeah they're incredibly valuable yeah well it's it's that 
you know, it's that saying that comedy is tragedy plus time. And that is very true in my case. Right. And same thing for all artists have some, you know, ridiculously tragic histories and experiences because, you know, out of, out of that sadness and despair comes some really, really interesting works. But um, I guess before we kind of deep dive into some other areas, I do want to ask in your current present life, uh, what makes you happy? What, what uh, makes you get up every day with a spark in your heart? It has, after all of this time, it has become very, very simple. I, because I felt so profoundly unsafe for most of my life, uh, just waking up in my house with my cats and being, a, I mean, I was, I was homeless at one point. So like just being in a space that is mine and I'm at home, you know, with a cup of coffee it's really simple. It when when I when I feel safe and settled, that's the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that people who have experienced homelessness, when you meet someone else that's been homeless before, you know what they're talking about right off the bat. You understand that um, simplicity and how valuable it is, and how when you are living outside. It, it's like as if you don't you no longer exist as a person because everyone passing by just thinks that you're just this person, you know, wanting money, that you're doing drugs or something like that. Um, but they don't look at you as a human being anymore. You're you're basically just, you know, a pile of clothes or have you. But uh, then when you get back into the world and you're part of it again and people start you know, saying, oh, Mr. Thornton, yes. You know, it's kind of strange to, to experience both sides of that. Um, I, I, too, had a period of, of homelessness, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what it's like to uh, have, you know, your own things again and to uh, think about the fact that, hey, there's food in the fridge. Oh, yeah. I don't have to worry about what I'm eating for the next week because there's there's food in there. So, yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah, just like the the lack of worry over super basic necessities is deep. <laughs> totally it's now if you could share a message with the world, what would that message be? As far as like where to find happiness or <laughs> anything at all. Like you, you, you reach into Kevin's brain, right? Imagine this is like on the street interview where I just walked up to you and said, Hey, you know, are you happy? And what's the source? Uh, if you had a message to share with the world, what would that be? I, so the thing that happened to me is somehow, and this is really only in the last few years. I mean, I, something really shifted in me like right around age 40, right after my period of living in my car, um, something shifted inside of me and I somehow zoomed way out and somehow just sort of saw my whole life from afar, if that makes sense, rather than really close up. Mm -hmm. And this is also where I suddenly found like a source of the comedy in it i zoomed out and i saw myself in a really big picture kind of way and i sort of live in that space now still you know it's sort of how i look back at the tra the tragic things that happened to me and in the moment they were awful but 30 years later i look and i'm like the way i responded to that was so absurd or you know from from this from this vantage point. And I think that it, it's a difficult thing to do, but I think if, if a person can even uh, like let themselves sort of contemplate uh, your whole life as a big picture and like, it, and if you can sort of pull out of that, the things that really matter to you, and it's probably different for everyone. We sort of live in this like close up mode. And it it uh, it is hard to see, and it's hard to sort of navigate sometimes when everything is so incredibly close. Like, what would it feel like to sort of like astral project and observe your life? Mm -hmm. 
it's not a, it's not an easy thing to do but if you can even get a glimpse of it for a minute i think it shifts things so that would be your message then to get that grander perspective to yeah. zoom out, zoom out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that it, it almost sounds like that could be a guided meditation <laughs> yeah yeah that's excellent the work that you do now especially that memoir that that is that's exceptional you said that you you've done so many different things out of response to that panic uh mm-hmm. is there anything that that you've done that surprised you you know like a piece of work or or a, a music or it doesn't matter what it is but something artistic that you did that surprised even you that you did that yeah and this is all very recently as well and it has it has a com- it's a combination of the comedy and the writing when I was younger, I saw myself, this is a kind of a bizarre thing, but in, in my church, um, in the late eighties and early nineties, it was a, it was a giant, like middle America mega church with like 2000 people, like this non-denominational thing. And in that era, there were a lot of Christian rock bands. And even in our church, that was almost like weirdly, like the highest calling is if you were in a Christian rock band that was like the most, like, that was the coolest thing. And that's sort of where I put myself. And so even when I left the church, that's like the one shred of myself that I kept. And so I always saw myself as like in a band or I'm going to be an actor in movies or I, like, I saw myself as this very cool creature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've only really settled into more recent years of I'm at my best as someone who reflects and tells people about it you know that's that's me that's me in my highest form is like sort of reflecting my personal human experience to the world um and that's not i never saw myself as a writer or a person who stands on stage and tells super personal stories and then laughs at it but that's like my superpower. And I only really discovered that in like the last, you know, eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. That's a big surprise. I never, I, I always thought I'm going to get a record deal and be in a band un, until I die. And I, there's, that sounds so unappealing to me now. That's like some vision of a person who didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think it's so funny that you mentioned Christian rock bands. Uh, I guess my my first journalist experience was um, writing an e-zine back in like the 1990s for a Christian rock band bar. So I worked behind the bar and people would be like, wait a minute, there's a Christian bar. And, you know, a, 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 it was like a punk bar, too, by the way. Where and was this? This was in San Antonio. It was called the Catacombs. So all the, you know. Uh, Christian punk kids, you know, there because the guy who owned it, his name was Jesse Garcia. He was the coolest guy. He wanted to open this venue for kids to come and hang out on the weekend so they wouldn't get into trouble. So his ministry was music. And he thought, well, let me bring the kids in off the street and I can keep them safe for a couple hours at least. Their parents know where they are. So I met him through the church and then uh, I ended up working behind the bar. And that was actually how I fed myself because at that point I was raising myself. And so they kind of took me in and let me have this job. And then they were like, hey, why don't you like interview the band? So I got to interview POD and all these other. What? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> all these Christian rock bands. And I'd just be there like, so tell me about the road. And, you know, just. What was the zine better. called? I don't even remember. Honestly. That I, that was my favorite kind of thing. I went to yeah. Cornerstone every year. Shut up. Uh, yes, <laughs> we we might have met at oh some point. Oh my God, John Hagee, what a trip that guy! I cannot, I cannot. Uh uh-uh. uh, he's such a diva. You see? Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, like Christian punk rock zines. Yes. That was that was I loved that stuff. Right, and and yeah. they just be like screaming about the Holy Ghost. Yeah, just like what. <laughs> but then it's like after the show you know after everyone leaves they become like these normal people again you know doing god knows what outside but on the stage they're like holy rollers you know yeah yeah so yeah that just took me back so thank you but <laughs> the, guy, the guy that owned the bar he passed away uh like think let me be within like the last 
10 years or so. And they've been trying to kind of like rebuild that, that club, but they never really did. But that's just, it's just interesting. It's an interesting part of my life to say, oh yeah, I worked behind the bar and people were like, well, what did they serve in a Christian bar? And I was like, nachos and Coca-Cola. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I was going somewhere with that, I swear. But uh, <laughs> I guess my, uh, my well, hmm. my next question would be, you talk about finding yourself and sharing your personal stories. How long would you say that it took for you to get comfortable in your skin? Because I would understand that leaving leaving that uber fundamentalist background, entering this world almost like a newborn, because everything that you know is is no longer there, right? You have no foundation anymore. Your beliefs are gone, right? You're you're by yourself, you're rebuilding yourself. So I imagine that must have taken years to kind of eventually get comfortable how long did it take for you to get comfortable in your skin it most of my life i mean it it, it took a long time and it's it, through so many periods i didn't even see it in my 30s i knew that i i knew that i was unhappy and i couldn't make myself stop and it was a it was a weird thing to untangle like i knew this like sort of desperate career chasing was at the source but I, at the time, I didn't quite understand the connection to that and sort of having my worldview torn apart in my 20s. It was like a weird tangle of those things. I didn't, I hadn't put all that together yet. So um, honestly, I just burned myself out. Like there was uh, maybe a four year period. Um, I had written a, a one man show and I went on the road with it for about four solid years and i was so tired and burned out and i got to this point where i was like i'm just i just physically can't continue i'm super poor and very tired and i returned to nashville where i live and just sort of started to live differently but it wasn't because of a revelation it was because i was tired mm -hmm. Um, and I just stopped, I just couldn't go any further. And a few months into that, I started to feel better. And I was like, oh, I've never quite felt like this before. You know, like I, I feel, I feel kind of calm and like not running at full speed after this sort of intangible thing actually feels good. And that's when I sort of finally moved into a place that felt like home you know, and just started to live very quietly and differently. And, and over time, little revelations started happening mm -hmm. of what, of what I was doing to myself for so long, you know, it was a very slow untangling. So it was, it was really my whole life. I had lived with this fear of uh, like 40 was the age that I told myself, like, um, I'm working so hard and I'm so terrified of becoming this like failed 40 year old loser. And I wonder if I just sort of self prophesied and made sure that happened. Cause that's about the time I was living out of my car and, uh, and just like at the, at the end of my rope, you know, I, I so I, I sort of became the man I feared that I would become, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> And then that's when I was able to slowly start to build something much happier and sort of ease myself into a place where I am now truly happy. And I feel like I know myself, but it's taken, it took 40 years, you know, and it was really only around like my early, again, like I said earlier, I'm pushing 50, I'm about a year away from 50. And it was, you know, so it's only been like eight or nine years that I've settled into this sort of new space. You know, they say 50 is a new 20. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just, just, just run with that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm not 40. I'm actually 38, but whatever. <laughs> you're like, please, young and child, please. Uh, yeah. you're older than you. <laughs> no, that was, that was, that was kind of the age of my turning point. Nice. Yeah. Well, hmm. Okay. So yeah, I don't, I try not to talk about myself too much because it's all about you, but I want to like, mm, no, yeah. not going to do it. Um, so, so when you were in the car or when you're in your lowest 
period there was it a particular experience that kind of got you on that trajectory to getting back to your groove you know with your creative works and and just kind of moving moving back you know into a productive space was it one experience a culmination of many or what exactly happened yeah it was a culmination of many things and like i like i said i i just i i pushed myself to the very end i was so tired and so burned out and disillusioned so i actually sort of I don't know if quit is the right word, but I was, I got myself to a point of like, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything anymore. Like doing things has put me in this place. Like I, I'm not after anything anymore. Um, one thing that people have said, cause then I sort of settled into this space of I'm just living. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just waking up in the morning and trying to feel good. Um, when the pandemic happened, and my TikTok stuff started to blow up. A lot of people said, "Oh, see, when you when you stop looking, that's when it happens." And that's not what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like I stopped looking because I didn't need it anymore. Mm. And that's different. You know, I, I I wasn't. I I truly got to a place where I felt good, and I wasn't expecting anything else. I didn't need it anymore. And then, and then the crazy things started happening, <laughs> you know? And then what happened? Well, you know, so I, um, eventually I opened up a photography studio in Nashville and I, I sort of focused most of my creative attention to, uh, writing and like, I, 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 um, I really have gotten into film and photography. Um, I shoot on, on film and I have a, a, a space where I develop my own film I sort of, I sort of focused all of my creativity into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the pandemic, when the pandemic happened, um, everyone was getting on TikTok and sharing TikTok videos. And so I just, I signed up for an account too, just to watch other people's videos. And I made, I I made a couple of things and got a lot of views and I was like, oh, wow. So I made a couple more things and got even more views. And like, I, I got to, 250,000 followers on that app in like a month, like my first month. And that, when that happened, I was like, Oh, this is, it's fun and unexpected. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of go with it and see what happens. And then it, it just, it, it happened very, very fast. Um, and then an, an agency reached out and asked if I needed an agent. And I was like, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm, I don't know if, and honestly, I was scared of that because I was like, I don't want to drag myself back into that place mm-hmm. where I was. Like, I don't want to make that mistake. Right. But I was like, I, I, I feel different. And I, and, you know, after all those years, I feel like uh, I'm in a different place now. Like maybe it would be different if I let myself try this again. Mm-hmm. And it, and so I, I signed with an agent and they started booking me in clubs again. And it has felt completely different. I feel so good. I feel like I'm like in my groove. I feel like I've, I finally like found my purpose. You know, I, I know I can feel that I'm affecting people. Um, it's a whole new world. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. 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 I mean, because you're right, when you've actually gotten to that place where you no longer need it, you no longer need that stardom, right? But you're, you're, you're in a totally different space. And like you said, you're in your groove, you know? So yeah, it's like now you can really just enjoy it and just live and breathe and let it exude from you. So yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I've, I feel like I slipped into a different dimension. Or, so, or like some other alternative alternative reality. Like I, that is what it feels like, you know, because things seemed like so resistant throughout my life. And then and then a couple of years ago, it's like somehow I just like crossed over into an alternate reality mm-hmm. where there's like no resistance. As if the universe was like, OK, let's screw with this guy for about yeah. a good 40 years. And then, you know yes. what? We've been doing it long enough. Let's- yes. Just let them get through and see what happens, you know. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, I could totally agree. I understand that totally. Um, I I started film school like like tw- over twenty years ago, and then I left film school, 
And I was so upset that I that I had to leave because I ran out of money. It was, you know, one of those things where when you're poor and you don't have money and you go to a private school on, you know, mm -hmm. all the scholarships disappear, you know. And so uh, when I went home, I felt like a failure and I felt ashamed of it. So I wanted nothing to do with movies and anything having to do with production ever. And then it took me about maybe a little over 15 years to get back into it. And now that's, I, that's all I do. That's all I want to do is mm. TV and film and audio and radio and all kinds of things. And it's funny because I, I didn't care for TikTok at all. <laughs> like, mm. like back in the day, I, I didn't want it at all. And then now it's part of my job. <laughs> yeah. Are you happy is, is, has 4 million followers. And so it's like, it's crazy when, when these things become part of your life. And, and they have, you know, their own place in your trajectory. That's hilarious. It's also interesting to me how long the path can, can be. Mm. And you don't quite understand. You can't even really comprehend that when you're 20. Like, if you had told me when I was 20, it's like, uh, things will start to work out for you in about 30 years. <laughs> I would have been like, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? And now I look back over the last 30 years and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. The road can be really super long. <laughs> mm -hmm. Longer than you can even comprehend. So let's do this. Let's have this dialogue. What would a young Kevin say to older Kevin, older present Kevin right now? What do you think he would say to him? Oh, God. Well, I'd be careful in my words because I wouldn't want to like alter the timeline. <laughs> but... <laughs> butterfly effect <laughs> yes um you know I, I i think somehow i would try to convey uh and again if i went back and could say something that like healed me mm -hmm. then i would have gone on a different 30-year path you know and it maybe ended up in a different place but if somehow i could convey like you've got to be easier on yourself you know, when I was 20, I was in this weird space where I was, I mean, this is all 20 year olds. I was certain by like age 25, I'd have it all done, figured out, you know, I'd be, you know, and I wasn't, you know, not, it's not even close. You know, I would just have to be like, you've got to just like be easier on yourself. And also that, that path, the 30 year path, that is my life. You know, it's like you're, we're kind of constantly looking toward what's at the end of the path, what's at the end of the road and focused on that thing. And sometimes that thing is so far in the distance and hard to see. Meanwhile, like the steps you're taking down the road, that actually is your life, you know, like somehow you've got to be easier on yourself and like live in that. I don't, this is, you know, stuff like this, it's hard to talk about it without using cliches. Go ahead. You know, but but it is it's that sort of thing like you've got to be in the moment somehow. Mm -hmm. Like stop looking at the thing you think is at the end of the road. It's not even there. You're right here. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like something you put on a you know a calendar or something over a sunset <laughs> picture of a sunset or something. But with like it's after the month with the cat hanging yes. sitting in there maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what do you what do you uh, tell yourself to motivate yourself? Like when you're, when you're not certain about something you're working on right now, what, what do you tell yourself? Well, well, maybe I've, I've taken my own advice because I'm very easy on myself. You know, I mean, sometimes there's a deadline or something happening, but like if I am in a phase where I'm, I, I feel like, you know what, I need to sleep a lot right now. Then I let myself do that. I'm not, I've never really been the sort of artistic person who like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to write for an hour and I don't work like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm very, very, very easy on myself unless there's like a deadline that I have to do. And then I just somehow just like get up and make myself do it. Mm -hmm. But like, I like, I like my days to be easy and quiet. Let things come to me. If they don't come, that's okay. They'll come tomorrow. Do you and your cats have conversations? Yeah. <laughs> yes what's, what's the most uh <laughs> the cat the cats are luring me back into the bed <laughs> lay down lay down and pet us <laughs> oh my goodness um if uh if you were to give advice to someone that was struggling with happiness what do you think that would be 
Humans are tricky creatures. I mean, speaking speaking of cats, I mean, I would imagine that, like, you know, the it's real simple for a cat. You know, they they want to lay in your bed. Mm-hmm. They want to be fed. That's kind of it, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, humans are trickier because may, maybe we do need a little bit of challenge sometimes or maybe we do need to experience some struggle so we can like learn and you know it there's no like super clear answer i think my just my i think my whole thing is just kindness to other people and to yourself mm-hmm. and like just like give yourself space give your neighbor space i mean really like i i there's like the the real super basic pure tenets of christianity I am still into of like, you know, loving your neighbor and forgiving each other and forgiving yourself. I mean, I think those real super simple things, because you're, we're all just sort of walking down this weird human experience. Like, let's make it as easy on ourselves and each other as possible. Mm -hmm. And then wherever you find the happiness in that, that's where it is. (laughs) What is making you happy today? I'm having a blast. I'm having the time of my life. Where like, are you? You look like you're in this luxurious I, place. I'm, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a hotel. I have a show in New Brunswick, New Jersey tomorrow night. Really? This isn't your house? You don't <laughs> have these giant curtains behind you every day? No, this is like a hotel blackout curtain. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like being on the road as a comedian? It's like I said, it's I, I did it back in the back in the day in a in like stressed out mode but now it's like i'm in i'm in the alternate universe now so it's lovely i mean i'm like staying in nice hotels i'm you know flying to cities and it's Mm -hmm. it's so fun to walk out on a stage i mean i'm headlining all of the major comedy clubs in the country and uh i can't officially announce anything yet but uh next year that's going to be happening in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, it's so fun yeah, to to walk out on stage. And there's like a full room full of people who are there to see me and laugh. I'm having the time of my life. Do you ever get nervous before you go on stage or not anymore? Not anymore. Mm-mm. No, I've, it's, I've been around the block too many times and I've, and I'm too zoomed out mm-hmm. <laughs> to, you know, no, not really. Do you focus on people in the audience or do you kind of just like scan the room? What do you A little of both. Yeah. I mean, like stand up is one of those things where you have to be like hyper aware of everything that's happening in the room. Because if there's someone who's sitting right in front of me with a weird laugh and we can all hear that, you know, I I sort of have to respond to it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's kind of this constant decision of like, what do when do I step away from my act and talk to the person that clearly everyone in the room can see or when do I sort of scan over it all and move forward. So that that's kind of part of the art form. Are there some comedians that you just absolutely love inspired you that maybe you emulate a little bit or who are they? Well, I, I really love, I mean, and I'm sort of, I'm more of a story comedian. So I really love people who do that. I love Tig Notaro a lot. Um, they had a, a special that blew my mind a while back where she was talking about uh, her cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And and I don't know if you remember that or not, but like, it's incredible. I mean, she literally just got the diagnosis and she's Mm -hmm. like, I can't get on stage and do my act. So she just went up there and talked about that, like off the top of her head. And it was so compelling and human. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, you can do that. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, uh, what was his, the? I just watched something on uh, Netflix called Rothaniel. What is his name? I can't think of it right now, but it's this guy who uh, it's sort of a similar thing. He's talking about his family and, you know, he comes out of the closet like in his act. And mm. it's re- it's just a beautiful storytelling human kind of thing. I love that kind of stuff. 
So it seems um, like there's a shift with with just a, a ton of people storytelling yep, on stage I, yes. in film. Documentaries are coming back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are so fun to make. And yeah, you know, everyone's like, oh, did you see the Dahmer documentary? Uh, <laughs> you never thought yeah. that, that would be an exciting, you know, topic of conversation, but it is. And it's just, you know, I, I think that COVID has forced everyone to to turn inward right yes yeah, they've examined sure. themselves they've examined them each other with that fine lens and yeah there's been a total shift and in some ways it's 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 been good in some ways not so good but but seeing a lot of a lot of this i guess creative you know flow happening with storytelling it's it's gorgeous right? absolutely and i think like um and I, i'm not, this is not a critique of like other styles of comedy but for me and what my experience right now is like cynicism is over. Mm. People want sincerity and some hope. And, and again, we all look, we all looked inward mm. and I think it, it was like a giant collective shift. I felt, I definitely feel it mm-hmm. in the comedy world. Um, when, when any kind of, especially comedy, but when things feel like mean, I feel like all of us kind of go, no, please, no more, please, no more mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, yeah. we're done. We've had <laughs> yes. our <middle>. next. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's, that's probably also why things like, are you happy are so compelling is because they share those raw experiences mm-hmm. and it's that connection, you know, it's people uh, identifying with someone else's experience and picking out little pieces and saying, oh my God, me too. You yeah. know, and, and it's, it's for huge. sure. How yeah. did, how did you find, are you happy channel? I, I, I think it was a TikTok FYP thing mm-hmm. or maybe Instagram reels or something. It just started coming through my, my feed. And of course, uh, same thing you just said, I stopped on it. Cause I'm like, yes, this is the kind of thing I want to hear, right. you know? So, and then I subscribed to that, but yeah, it's com- familiar with like the story of it at all. Uh, not like the background. I just know what the, I know the clips I've seen. So the origin is that this guy got bit by a spider. No, 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 wait. <laughs> There's a Spider-Man joke. Never mind. Oh, oh. or an wow. origin story. I Root. Okay. I don't even. <laughs> so um, Afe Trepka, who's the founder, creator of Are You Happy? He uh, saw a French film called Chronicle of a Summer, where the sociologist and an anthropologist went out asking people questions on the street, simple questions like, are you happy? And you watch them throughout the entire documentary, just asking people these these simple questions because they want to know what that human experience is like and, and and hear their responses. And so, you know, he kind of took it up to like the nth degree with traveling the world and interviewing people and putting all of those interviews into a main documentary, but then turning it into a docuseries on social media. So hmm. that's that's how that all started. But then he was like, you know, why, why let it just be me? Why not have other people out there interviewing? So Right now we have about maybe 3000 creators that are not active at the same time. Wow. (laughs) But we all do. uh, Are you happy interviews? And pretty soon uh, we'll be traveling all over the country uh, doing that as well. So it's, it's just amazing to see the comments, you know, and to see people remark like, oh yeah, I'm in that place right now, or I was just there. You know, I feel that. Um, and then you have, you know, the really sad comments where someone shares, you know, some part of their life that they're just like, you know, this is where I'm at. And either what you just said made sense of that and I'm I'm, I'm going to be OK. Or they said something like, you know, this is where I'm at. I'm in a dark place. Can you can you help me or tell me where to get help? So mm-hmm. it's it's been it's been uh, interesting to see it serve so many purposes, whether it's starting a conversation, you know, having helping someone reflect or, you know, just bringing them some some form of happiness. So, and did, yeah. did it sort of take off during the pandemic or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you see the trailer, uh, which is on the website it's a happy people.me you'll see that it talks about you know during the pandemic it's just incredibly simple something so simple of a concept but 
having like remarkable results. And then I remember when I first started doing it as a volunteer, I remember coming home and, and telling my family about all these crazy strangers that I met because you meet so many people. So then you come home and you're like, oh, I met this, this gymnast here from X country who's like, you know, going to participate in this like trial. And, oh, I met this, you know, business professional from, um, I don't know, say some other European country. And I met this musician who's been trying to make it for 30 years, you know, just all these mm -hmm. crazy stories and just beautiful humans. So it's been really exceptional. That's sure. amazing. Yeah. And so what's what's going on now you're you're working on the memoir thing what what else are you working on right now right now the my live shows are sort of my main focus that's and that's the part uh, and that's what i want it to be that's what i love the most out of this is connecting with real people in a room hearing like real laughter in person is is where i'm at right now um there's a lot of I, I mean, just because of TikTok and Instagram, and I, I have a lot of people reaching out to me sort of with different ideas or, you know, so I've got, I've got a couple things that I really can't talk about th that are in the works um, yet. Uh, <laughs> there's two huge, yes, you can't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's two huge things. And again, I can sort of talk around them, but one is around a possible uh, streaming show. Mm -hmm. On you know on one of the big apps, uh, but I can't talk about the details of that. And then the other one is doing some some live comedy shows overseas. Mm. Uh, both both of those things are in the works right now, um, but I, they, this you know they they can't be announced yet. Um, so, I mean that's a pretty full plate already. I through all of this, so many people have, been, and especially when I started making those sort of uh, vignettes with the voiceover, the memoir things. Because uh, I have been writing, mm -hmm. but I've just, and it's, since I've leaked a little bit of that, I mean, just the response of people saying like, please tell me this is a book. Please tell me this is a book. Right? And I'm like, You're so yeah. beautiful. And oh my God, did you shoot all of that yourself or what is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> it's gorgeous. What are you uh, working with uh, camera wise and gear wise? Well, so I do have, uh, I have a Blackmagic uh, 4K camera that is i use but but really those things are, were just shot with my phone yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah i think it's great Ugh, they're yeah. beautiful goodness Thanks. um there's there's a, a very nice quality especially the one with the diner like god it's it's gorgeous it looks huh. so nice so Thanks. that coupled with the actual story when when the content is is just as beautiful as what you're looking at in the visual it's just 10 out of 10. Yeah. So goodness. So great job. Yay. Thanks. Um, where are you headed to next? You're in New Jersey, right? Yes. I'm in New Jersey. Land of the big hair. Yes. So big. I don't even know. I don't know. Like, I just got here. I literally just got, I checked into my hotel room a couple hours ago and took a little nap and now I'm here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's kind of like uh, all the stereotypes you hear about states. Most times are never true. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I knew a guy from New Jersey and he thought that everyone had cows in their backyards here in Texas. <laughs> like, no, it would be nice. Never run out of milk, but no. So, um, yeah. So where, where are you headed after that? Um, so I, I only have a handful of shows left for this year, but I'll be in uh, upstate New York and Syracuse and Albany. I have a show in Omaha, Nebraska and Des Moines, Iowa, um, Cincinnati and Columbus. And then I end the year in Michigan City, Indiana. Mm. So I'm almost done. I only have maybe about 10 shows left. You're like Santa, just going around. Yes. <laughs> delivering presents of awesomeness. Yes. <laughs> is there, I've always wanted to know this, is there like a particular way that they pick like what the path is for like a show's tour? Or is it more so like eeny, meeny, miny, okay, this place? Like no. So, I mean, my situation is slightly different um, because, you know, a lot of clubs already have shows on their calendar and we're so my agent is sort of see just sort of looking what's available on people's calendars a lot of times there's no rhyme or reason to it other than mm -hmm. that club has an opening mm -hmm. let's make them an offer they said yes we're doing the show Got it's it. not you know it's not so much like where do we go next it's more about just like <laughs> what club had an opening and they said yes <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Is there anything that you are, I guess, like anxious to do any other like bucket list items or anything that you want to do in the next decade or so? 
Well, this is all, you know, it's, it's a, it's a whole new world. It, I, in one sense, I feel like I could walk out on stage in comedy clubs and do a show for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, if that's all that ha all left that happens, I'd be totally fine with that. Cause I love it so much, you know? So um, in one sense, I'm almost like, gosh, I'm, I'm living my dream, you know, as long, as long as people keep showing up. Um, I think, you know, maybe that will take on other forms. I started a podcast myself. Um, it's called call Kevin. And that's sort of a call in style show where people call in and ask questions. And then I just respond to them. How many episodes um, do you have with that? Just one. I just put the first one up. Call Kevin. Yeah. How do we call Kevin? Uh, you can call the Call Kevin hotline at 323-364-0881. That number again was? 323-364-0881. <laughs> I actually have a little jingle where they it's like sung like an old school, like 323-364. <laughs> <laughs> was it Rodney D. Young? That I remember that car commercial used to have that. What 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 do you remember that has that kind of jingling? Uh, what was it? it? It was a like a carpet place or something. Oh my god, Stanley Steamer, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, it's on the tip of my brain. I can almost hear it still. Mm, yep, <laughs> I'm a few bars. No I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh goodness. Well, it has been awesome to to meet you and talk to you and uh I could talk to you forever. Yeah. How I, long is the show? Uh however long I want yeah, it to that, be. I, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh but you know, you have stuff to do. Um I think it's amazing that you are 100% like you are in your content. You know, you you come across other celebrity folk, you know, other artists that are, you know, really awesome when you view their content or see them in concert or what have you, and then you go backstage and you meet them and they're nothing like they yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the time. So uh, yeah, you for being a hundred percent authentic. Yeah. <laughs> no other way to be. True that. True that. Well, thanks so much again for being here and of course. you have a wonderful rest of your tour and let everyone know where they can find you on social media. All of my stuff is on my website, kevinjamesthornton.com. That's pretty, pretty simple. Right yeah. there. <laughs> Myname.com. My Isn't your, your Instagram, Kevin James Thornton? It is. Your, your TikTok too, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a great marketing strategy. Yes. Keep How did consistent. you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have a good night. And again, thanks so much and hope you have many happy days ahead. You too. My pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries, can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.